Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Billboard on Broadway podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca Milzoff, senior editor at Billboard and Broadway fan extraordinaire here. So if you're already a musical theater fan, I really just need to open this episode by telling you that my guest is Sutton Foster. Hopefully that's enough to convince you to listen. But for those of you who aren't as well acquainted with Broadway's favorite triple threat performer, Or maybe at this point, you mainly know her from television, from her thoroughly winning roles on Bunheads or on Younger. I'll give you a rundown of why everyone loves Sutton Foster so much. Her career is a bit of a Broadway dream come true, uh, starting with when she was quite literally plucked from the ensemble of the show Thoroughly Modern Millie to become its star in 2002, uh, ultimately winning the Leading Actress Tony Award for that year for her debut. It quickly became apparent after that that she was the rare kind of star who could really do anything on Broadway. She's a fantastic dancer, uh, completely uh, endearing uh, as an actress, and has had quite an impressive voice, as anyone who's heard her knows as well. Uh, Her career on Broadway since then has been really varied, uh, ranging from playing Princess Fiona in Shrek to Joe March in Little Women Janet Vandegraaff in The Drowsy Chaperone, Rena Sweeney in Anything Goes, for which she won her second Tony, and the title character in the newer musical Violet. Thanks to the fact that Younger is now so beloved, uh, it's in its fifth season, uh, it has sadly been a little bit of time since we've seen Sutton on Broadway. But anyone who loves hearing her sing will be happy to know that she has a new album that was just recently released called Take Me to the World. It's definitely not your typical solo Broadway star showcase. It is not just a cabaret show on tape. Um, For one thing, it prominently features student musicians from the Ball State University Theater and Dance Department, where Sutton has taught for years now. And the mix of songs on the album highlights what a supporter of new work and living theater composer Sutton has been for a while now, uh, with tracks by Stephen Sondheim, Janine Tesori, Jason Robert Brown, and Shana Taub, among others. So clearly, there was a lot for us to talk about when she came by the podcast recently. So without further ado, here is my recent chat with Sutton Foster. I'll give you stars and the moon and a soul to guide you and a promise I'll never go. I'll give you hope to bring out all the life inside you and the strength that will help you grow. Hello, Sutton. Hi. I feel like I need to sing like, Sutton Foster. (laughs) 
you need a musical introduction. Um, well, excited to see you here. Um, I have to say, first of all, that I'm one of the people who, in addition to having seen you in musicals over the years, is also a crazy Bunheads fan. So oh, you will always be endeared to my heart for Bunheads. Thank you. I love Bunheads. It's, uh, it was the, the short-lived love of my life. Yeah. I kind of wonder like, how many people who recognize you or come up to you on the street are crazy Bunheads fans. There's a lot of Bunheads fans out there. I was like... Where were you? Where where was the noise when we <laughs> needed we you? On. I know, um, but no, it's been so cool, and it's uh, and now it lives on. You know, I think it's on Hulu, and so many people are are like watching it now for the first time. And I um I just I it was such a special show, and it was uh, it was so cool to be on a a show that was very well loved. It was I, I indeed watched the entire thing for a second time on Hulu. So oh, it's, it's I good need to that do that. I haven't on. done that yet. It's an excellent way to while away like eight hours of your life on on a rainy day for sure. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I talking about the album seemed like a good moment to me to kind of dial back and reflect uh, because I see some reflection on the album of your like beginnings with Millie, um, some people who have kind of been in your musical life for many, many years now. Um, so if we could start by rewinding back to that first big moment for you, are there ways that you still see things that you've learned from Millie reflected in your career and the work that you're doing now? Or is it more like people who have kind of stuck with you, like Janine Tesori? Yeah. Um, I'm curious, like 16 years later, if you still have moments where you're like, oh, I learned that doing that show. Millie was, Millie was a life-changing, career-changing um, moment for me in my life. And, and there are people that I met on that show that I still work with, Janine Tesori, who I've now worked with several times, Michael Rafter, who was, um, who was our music director on Millie and conductor, is my music director to this date. You know, he's, he's responsible for all of the arrangements on the new album. Um, he's, like a, he's like a true collaborator. You know, when you, when you meet someone um, who makes you better, you know, I, I feel like working with him and Janine too as well, it's like, you just sort of, we, we all sort of met in our youth and our beginnings and then we've mm -hmm. like, we've grown up together. But Millie was, Millie taught me a lot of things. It taught me, um, it taught me how to be a, how to do eight shows a week, how to have um, endurance and stamina, how to be a leader of a company. I'd never done that before uh, in that capacity, how to deal with criticism, how to, um, stop reading reviews <laughs> and stop reading the comments stay off of message boards I was gonna say was it message boards back it was then was it comments yet? <laughs> yeah it was all like you know like um social media I mean now it's it's changed since then but you know it's uh it was just sort of the beginning of when uh people started sharing their opinions online and it was available for any and everyone to read and so I, I felt like it I feel like, and also I will say, one of the things I learned from doing Millie is that it helped me find a, a, a better balance in my life because I think back then in my 20s, and I was 27 when it opened, I turned uh, 27 right before we opened, It, uh, I think I had, as far as the scale of life, I had m many more um, coins in the career column than the... Uh, relationships and personal life uh, and that has definitely balanced out as I've gotten older so I, I Millie taught me a lot of things 
Mm -hmm. And I mean, it seems like it's kind of a rare thing that a first project can be kind of like defining, but in a good way. And I feel like that sort of established you as a triple threat. And um, there it doesn't seem like there would have been any downside to that. Did you did you after that show, did you feel like you needed to prove yourself in other ways or did it just pretty much set a good path going forward for you? I mean, I, I have a different perspective on it now, having many years of time passed. But I, <laughs> Millie was like the best thing that had ever happened to me, but also like the worst thing that had ever happened to me because it like just tore me apart. It like broke me apart. Mm-hmm. Um, it was uh, It was debilitating and hard and where I should have been like on the top of the world, I was, I felt this enormous pressure to, to deliver and, and to, and when I couldn't, it was, you know, debilitating. Um, but, and, and there is like this thing, like you've, you've, you've achieved something and how do you have staying power? What do you do next? You know, how Mm -hmm. do you, do you, how do you continue to, I don't know, challenge yourself as an artist, but also stay relevant in like the, the theater scene or, so it's, uh, it was an interesting, the next project I did after Millie was Little Women, which was again, another just like sort of juggernaut role, um, that, uh, wasn't as successful as Millie. Um, but, and then that sort of taught me like, all right, I need to stay, I need to, I can't keep trying to sort of top myself in this direction. I need to like make a left turn and do something different. And that was what brought on Drowsy Chaperone. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was like very, it was very pointed that I wanted to do something that was more ensemble about being part of an ensemble of people as opposed to me being in the front. Cause mm-hmm. I, 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 I couldn't handle that. I didn't know how that it was it just, it was like breaking me apart. So <laughs> it seems so silly, you know, but I have a different, I can have reflection on it now, but, but Drowsy was a very, um, was it was a gift because it it like I was surround I was sharing the responsibility with all of these incredible people and it was like this magical little show that made me sort of fall in love with with it all again and I feel like that's something that we see on the album that I want to get into too that it's like I feel like it's very rare to see a solo album like this that feels like really collaborative yeah and like you I mean you are the main person on the album but there are other voices that are Mm -hmm. prominent and it was really um, important to me that the album feel like a collaboration and and I I um yes it is it is my name on the front but it, it but it's there's so many amazing people that that went into building the album and I, I wanted to share I, I there's so many there's many duets I have I have a uh, a group number with incredible singers from Ball because it was a collaboration with Ball State University um, I have a I'm an adjunct faculty there and uh, I wanted we wanted to record it there and we and it was awesome we used their um uh, recording studios. We used their orchestra. We used over 100 students and faculty. We used the senior musical theater class of 2018, as well as the teachers, the voice teachers. So it was it was this one and their entire art and design department uh, designed the album. They did all of the packaging, everything. So it was like incredible to be able to um, sort of in, uh, sort of give back and 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 also use all of these young minds too, to sort of like redefine what this, um, what this album was going to be. 
So I didn't realize until I was reading about the album how long teaching has been kind of part of your life as well. And yeah. I mean, really going back to when you were kind of starting out. So I was I was curious about how that came into your life and what it is like to be teaching young people <laughs> as your as your own career is still like yeah. really developing. I feel like um, I I had a really wonderful relationship with my high school drama teacher, Mr. Bodick. Mr. Rick Bodick. I still call him Mr. Bodick. But he um, <laughs> uh, he was just incredibly influential. And in like, because I, I didn't know that theater or let alone musical theater, could you could make a career career out of it. For me, it was just something you did for fun. You know, it was like mm-hmm. a hobby. Or, um, And he was really like someone who like just introduced me to, introduced me to so much and has always been a champion and has always encouraged me still to this day. And um, I always felt really passionate about wanting to give back in some way because I, 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 you know, I grew up in a tiny, I, I grew up in Georgia and small towns in Georgia and then moved to suburbs of Michigan. Um, New York was like, I, I had no concept of New York. I did a <laughs> paper on it, you know, when I was like a freshman. And um, they, uh, and that was before, you know, I, the internet. So now I feel like things are more accessible, you know. But back then it was, we went to the library, we would like check out like cast recordings and we'd watch the Tony Awards. That was like the only outlet I had. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started um, uh, like early, when even before I moved to New York, I volunteered at a local um, community theater um, when I was living in, in Mem- Memphis because I, I dropped out of college um, and I was completely lost and I was like, how do I, what do I do? And I was like, <laughs> I'm going to work, volunteer at this community theater and like work, working with young people. And, um, and then I just felt super passionate about it. And whenever we would do, um, and my affiliation with Ball State, they had just reached out to me for like a talk back to talk to their students. Oh, I think when I was doing Drowsy Chaperone and, uh, I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? You know, and um, I just sort of fell in love with their their students and their faculty. And there was a real Midwest sensibility and earnestness. And it just felt like the right fit for me. And um, it was a program that was redefining itself. And um, and it, it was kind of like uh, on the verge of, of sort of bubbling and growing. And um, I, it's been incredible. And I, I, I now like I teach a cabaret class every year via like Skype and um, mm-hmm. and uh, and then we do a they do a Skype show. cabaret a like Skype cabaret <laughs> um, they like and then they do a performance in um, Indianapolis and then in March they do a performance at Joe's Pub here in New York and so it's like really cool and we've done and Michael Rafter actually and I teach it together and so it just felt fitting that we would incorporate them you know with the album and we've just developed this wonderful relationship with the school and uh I, yeah it just it just is it feels like it's so important to me and and it's also like really important to me to be able to share as my career has evolved and changed now being in television and I feel like I have oh my gosh I learned this today <laughs> I can like share it with this and tell someone else yeah share it with this like next generation you know and um, sort of share my experiences and, and how, like, you don't have to – you can work really hard and you can kind of keep challenging yourself. And, and you can – I mean, you know, I'm, I'm from the Midwest too, you know. It's like you don't have to be an asshole to kind of succeed. And 
how to like how, worthy lesson. <laughs> yeah, you know, like you can like work really hard and and um and and things things can work out. Yeah. And you've directed there too a couple of I've shows. I co-directed. Right? Yeah. Okay. So my, um Bill Jenkins is the chair of the of the department and he's he's just been my my like champion there. And so he he um they did Drowsy Chaperone and they did Shrek the musical and I I was able okay. to come in and sort of help with casting and and sort of give some insight into, you know, my experience of what it was like doing it on Broadway and and sort of share some some um character development and help them help them with their productions. That makes sense. I was wondering if like secretly you were like directing your own Sweeney Todd or yeah, something. Yeah, I mean <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> but a lot of it is um because my because I'm so busy which is incredible. I'm um, my time. They the Bill has been able to like, um, he's been able. I've been able to come in for like little snippets of time to kind of, uh, you know, f- come in and sort of d- dance around and, and flit off some <laughs> pearls of wisdom or something. <laughs> um, but but yeah, and I'll say 2025 Sutton Foster's production of Sweeney Todd. <laughs> I'm wa- the world is waiting. <laughs> it sounds amazing. <laughs> Um, well, I think that one one thing that really popped out to me about the album, which I hadn't really, I guess, thought about looking at your body of work before, is like how many living composers uh, you've been able to work with um, mm-hmm. and who you're championing. Um, and I want to talk about Janine first and Michael as well. Um, what do you think was kind of the foundation of that relationship starting and what kind of made the two of you click as a partnership that has kind of continued through the years since then? I think Janine is. I think she's a gen. I think she's a genius. I um. Fair statement. Fair statement. I love. <laughs> I love being in a room with her. She elevates everyone around her. Um, she is. She's also so. She's an incredible collaborator. She is so willing to say okay, no, that doesn't work, or let's do it, let's try this, or blah, 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 you know, like, what do you think? Or um, I, I just think she's a total badass. Like, I would follow her anywhere, and if she calls and asks me to do anything, I would do it in a heartbeat without asking what it was. I, um, the other person I, I can put in that category is Amy Sherman Palladino and, yes. and Lee Silverman, who I've worked with now as a director several times. They're just women who, they're, strong powerful women who make everyone better and I just love she makes they all make me better and I um I I feel like I I just don't want to let I never want to let Janine down you know I um I just uh I've loved working with her um we did Millie we did Shrek and we did Violet and she's just the best I hope that I get to work with her again and again. And her, and it's a real like variety of oh. things that she has done too. I mean, do you see kind of a through line about like what makes her music so great to you to perform? It's like, um, it's like we share a voice, I guess. It's like a sim, <laughs> it seems really weird to say, <laughs> but it's like she, we like know each other. Like it's it's the secret it's that secret thing you know it's like that chemistry thing you know it's mm-hmm. like it's hard to define because um, you can work with people and you're like oh we're not on the same page or it doesn't it doesn't 
fit or I can sing I can sing someone's music and I'm like oh geez this is not this isn't doesn't work but there's something about Janine like the minute I start to learn a song of hers it's as if it was written for me which I there have been songs that have been written for me but Mm -hmm. it's like she just like we like understand each other I was gonna say at this point like I would think she is writing to your voice almost since you've worked together so much yeah it's it's like it's one of those amazing things And and I feel that way about Michael Rafter too it's like um I you know you, you you hope that a lot of people work um solo you know a lot of people work on their own or you know but I, I I find especially in creativity or anything creative or art the arts it's like collaboration is the key you know and you hope that you find a collaborator who who by working together you you actually make each other better because you what what you you're better together than you are on your own. And I, I feel that way about Michael Rafter. It's like we come together and we both are better. And it's like, I can't, uh, there's, I, I, there's no one else that I could sing with than him. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. So was he and or Janine instrumental in kind of coming up with the concept for the album in the first place was that a conversation or more something that came purely from you michael and i um we do lots of concerts and we we started doing we did like a the the very first concert we did was an american songbook for lincoln center back in 2004 right after i left millie it was first time i'd ever done something like that where you're like you know it's like the cabaret art form or i always call it a concert because I'm like, because somehow cab- the word cabaret can have such, like lots of feelings. You People have like lots of feelings. Sitting on a piano with yeah, a glass yeah. of wine. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, we do concerts, but um, and then we did an album uh, in 2008, I guess. That was uh, really derived. I, I had gone was going through a divorce, and Michael had gone through some health issues, and we were both that album was my first album, which was called Wish, and it was really like this album of healing for both of us. And um, and then, uh, but we've, we've just, then we just kind of kept doing concerts, and 
like we, we could have a tour shirt that would have like, you know, lots of cities on, we just, all over the country, the world, we started doing symphony stuff. And we knew we wanted to do another album, but we didn't feel like we had the, we just didn't feel like we had it, like whatever the, the album was going to be. And then um, my husband and I adopted a baby girl. And suddenly the songs that we were looking at and the music that we were being, that, that we were drawn to started to shift because I had this new life in my life and I I was suddenly a mom and like so the album started to take place mm-hmm. so that was really what formed the album was the birth of Emily my daughter the, the only thing that I'm missing which I've never seen one of your solo shows but I feel like I've heard so much about you singing Mabel this time oh. <laughs> to your dog um <laughs> That I'm a little sad that's not on the yeah, album. That yeah, didn't, that didn't make the cut. I know poor Mabel's having a hard time. <laughs> Mabel's my dog, and so she was the first, and then we got Brody, our, another dog, and then she was like, why have you done this? And then we brought a human child, and now she's just... Beside she, herself. <laughs> yeah, she's really she's really having a hard time. So I, I should have put Mabel this time on the album for well, her. At least she gets to be serenaded. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, well... I was going to say that this does not just feel like cabaret on tape. Um, And uh, going back to the collaborative aspect of it, um, did did you initially have all of the students in the room with you or would you start out working on things by yourself or was it always sort of being in the room with them? For the album? Yeah. We had put together for... um, so what's interesting is like, so the final track on the album is Every Time We Say Goodbye, which is a Cole Porter um, song. We had been commissioned by the Cincinnati Pops to to do four, uh, orig- not original, four new arrangements of Cole Porter. This was um, two years ago. And um, so we, for the cabaret class at Ball State, we decided to focus on Cole Porter. And one of the songs that they sang at the end of their class at the end of their show that they did was Every Time We Say Goodbye, arranged by Michael Rafter, this beautiful acapella version. And then when we sang, at, we, we had them sing it at the, with the Cincinnati Pops with full orchestra, orchestra coming in. And I knew I wanted to include that on the album. Now, the label was like, but you're not singing on it. It's just <laughs> the students. And I said, but that's what the whole album is about. The whole album mm-hmm. is about collaboration and about the future, you know, about these this is the future, this is the next generation, you know? It was all like, it was like a gift for them. It was like, we, this is the whole point. And then the, um, the On My Way, I'm On My Way, On My Way, mm-hmm. was actually written for um, six singers. And we, I, we did it at a, uh, I did a concert in, at Lincoln Center um, in April of 17, right after Emily was born. And, um, and six moms sang it. Oh, and wow. Uh, and I and I knew, oh, I want to do this on the album. And two of the moms were Darcy Roberts and Megan McGinnis, who I do duets with on the sh- on the um, album. And then we decided that the other voices would be the three other voices soloed are um, the faculty voice teachers at Ball State, and then the the, the chorus are the musical theater seniors and alumni at Ball State. So it was all done very, um, the, the, the piece had already been created and then we decided to open it up mm-hmm. and include everybody. 
That's so cool. Yeah. Well, I want to go through some of my favorite uh, tracks on the album uh, because they made me want to hear more from you with these people. Um, first was uh, Jason Robert Brown, yes. who I was like, now she needs to do a Jason Robert Brown show. <laughs> um, he will be a podcast guest actually a little later in the summer. Um, so what is your history with him? And this uh, song, Stars in the Moon, is just to me such a classic yeah. JRB kind of song. Um, tell me about how you kind of decided to do that song and, and what you knew of him before. I had always been a fan of his when I was a kid growing up I was obsessed with songs songs for a new world um so I used to listen to it you know in my room and um I actually decided to sing it for the first time when I did a concert with Janine Tesori um this was at City Center like two years ago with um Jonathan Groff Jonathan Groff did and I did this one night only concert at City Center and we got to sing songs we've always tragic to have missed them, oh, by the it, way. Was, it was pretty <laughs> awesome and so we got to sing songs that like we've never sung before so I I didn't want to so I was like I've always wanted to sing Stars in the Moon and um and then as soon as I sang it I was like oh my gosh I finally get this song like you have to be of a certain age I think mm-hmm. to like really understand it and like as a kid I never really got it and then you're like, oh, you have to have like some life experience to realize what it means. And um, and then I just started doing it in concerts. Uh, yeah, when I would work with Rafter, and I was like, we got to, I got to sing this. And then um, honestly, um, it all fades away. The other Jason Robert Brown song, um, a student at Ball State, a, a boy. I my brother was in the show. Like my brother had done the show um, on Broadway, uh, but a student at Ball State sang it all fades away in a like a music class and i was listening to it and i went oh gosh that's a that's a really great song (laughs) and i said to michael i said because i had been talking to jason robert brown because we're friends and i i i told him that i was working on an album and i said do you you know do you have any trunk songs or any like things that haven't been recorded or you know and he was sort of sending me ideas and he sent me another song from um from bridges and I was like, what about It All Fades Away? And we started working on that. And then it became like, it's like one of my favorite things I've ever, I've ever done. So were you actually working with him when you were? With Jason? Yeah. No. And I was, um, we, we did it all with, I did it all with Michael. Okay. And then, uh, and I just was praying that Jason would give us his blessing. And then I did a concert with Jason, um, just like a one night only because he has a residency at subculture here in New York. Yes. And I got to sing, I sang stars in the moon. It all fades away. And then two, three of his other songs that I learned for that night, but I got to sing them with, with him. And that was wild. I was like, what is my life? Like, this is so really cool. cool Accompanist. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was pretty wild. Um, yeah, no, I, I love those. Um, also, uh, having recently gone to see Twelfth Night, um, Shana Tab is yeah. uh, amazing. Another former f- podcast guest. Um, and love uh, the song Room that you chose. I mean, that and the Jason songs are, I, they're like really sort of huge journeys like within a song and they're kind of about like going through stuff in life, yeah. it seems to me. Yeah. Um, but what is your connection to Shana? So Shana and I met... This is a wild. So, I um. I I taught. This is such a. I taught two semesters at NYU. And um, 
I, I ended up doing, I did two sort of cabaret class. That was before I started working at Ball State. So I did two sort of cabaret classes at NYU. And then I did, I taught the freshman, um, I can't remember what year, I did a, a vocal performance. So I ended up teaching like 60 freshmen a lot of which are now like on Broadway and <laughs> doing really well, all because of me. No, um, I did nothing. But they um, uh, actually J- uh, Jelani, uh, Jelani's in Frozen. He was one of my oh. students, and um, Ariel Satchel, who just won the Tony for Band's Visit, he was one of my students. Oh my god! Isn't that wild? Yeah. I know. I'm like, wow. Anyway, um, oddly. And crazily enough, the pianist for the um, for this class, for the vocal performance classes, was Shana Taub. And I had no idea. <laughs> she I was like, why were you playing piano? She's like, I just she's like, I just wanted to brush up on my like sight reading. And she's like, I just wanted to be in the room and 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 I was like, What? Like, why would you ever do that? I had no idea that she was such a brilliant composer. And so then Room came across my plate. I think I reached out to her again, like as I was like sort of looking for material, and she either sent me Room or someone sent it to me, and I just fell in love with it. I thought it was so beautiful, and I sang it that concert where I sang Stars in the Moon with mm-hmm. with um, Jonathan Groff. I sang Room, and and Shana actually was part of that concert. She she because um, the concert was a, a mix of like. Jonathan and I singing stuff and then a bunch of young new composers and she was one of the new composers sort of doing her material and um, I just fell in love with it and knew I wanted to do it on the album. I feel like Shana is always popping up in places you don't expect her like that sort of. Which is so (laughs) awesome. I just will never forget. I was like, why are you playing piano in like freshman vocal performance class? Yes. (laughs) She was just like the coolest. She's just the coolest. I feel like she is kind of like the cool piano playing singer songwriter girl who like I kind of wish I was. Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, Also very exciting to see you singing Sondheim. Yeah. Um, And uh, I I sort of wonder like is there a Sondheim show that you would want to do in the near future? Like what is your Sondheim wish list? (laughs) I did a um, one of my favorite things I've ever done was Anyone Can Whistle. We did it at... um, City Center, City Center Encores back in 2010. Excuse me, burping. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and uh, it was just incredible, like, to work on his music. And to he was in the room, and I was, like, frozen. <laughs> I was, like, I, I lost the ability to speak. Um, I mean, I would love to do a Sondheim show someday. That would be a dream. Sweeney Todd, maybe someday. It's like my favorite show ever. Who would you be in Sweeney Todd? Oh, eventually, Mrs. Lovett. Yes. <laughs> right? We got to, uh, maybe in a couple years. Your time is coming. And my time is coming. To, to break out your cockney. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I, and there is um, some pop on the, on the album, some James Taylor and Simon and Garfunkel. And I was curious what your kind of personal history and relationship to pop music is. I kind of think of you as someone who must have like come out of the womb tap dancing, but <laughs> I know, right? Well, see, but I also grew up in the seventies, right? Mm. So like my mom used to listen to, I always joke about the eight tracks and she used to listen to John Denver and James Taylor and Dan Vogelberg. And, you know, I grew up like Carol King and um, Simon and Garfunkel. And like, I, I grew up listening to all this stuff and like I love folk like if I'm 
<laughs> every people always ask like what what do I listen to either nothing like just silence <laughs> which is awesome or like today's hits like I listen to like the pop the, the like today's pop which I couldn't tell you who sings what but I like <laughs> will bop along you know it's like anything that, or I'll listen to like folk or something that's like super chill mm-hmm. but um but yeah like James Taylor is one of my favorites and I I just I would love to do a whole a whole James Taylor album or John Denver too no, it's, I like the James Taylor arrangement a lot. It's like a little oh, different yeah. from the way I'm used to hearing that song. Um, yeah, yeah. But it occurs to me that this is like the kind of music that adults can enjoy, but also like play around a baby and like everything is chill and yeah. calm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, we, we, I mean, the album is definitely eclectic, but it's, um, it's a culmination of many, many years. Like we've, it's evolved. Uh, we didn't want to just... Um, and we over-recorded it. I mean, we there are three songs that we recorded that we didn't include. Like we really, everything was very thoughtfully selected, and 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 it and has taken like years and years to sort of come to where where I am right now in 2018. You know, as an artist, as a person. Um, so it's 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 cool. It's like this little time capsule. You know? mm-hmm. Well, that that is a perfect segue because I was going to say that the last show I saw you in was Sweet Charity, oh, and yeah. which is Amaz, um, <laughs> and uh, that that felt kind of like a turning point for you in a way to me. I'm not 100 percent sure why, but maybe because it's a bit of a darker role. It had that kind of minimalist production. Yeah, um, it was a different context than I'm used to seeing you in. Yeah. Um, so I was curious if if I was right about that in terms of what it was like for you professionally and going forward from here, like what are the kinds of roles that, that you want to be doing? Um, and then that you're interested in. I, that's, I mean, that's interesting. It was, it was a, it was a very specific, incredible thing like that show. And, and, and it was exactly what I wanted it to be. Like, it was just, I wanted to be, I wanted to play that role in, in like a, just in sort of, um, sort of, in a whole new way and and it was it was just to be able to to be able to perform that close to an audience too was terrifying it was like it was literally people were a foot away from me yeah um <laughs> it was uh it was awesome i i i'm i'm i think as i'm moving forward i've i've loved doing younger i've loved being on tv that's been like a wonderful thing for me um I just want to work with good people. I want to be challenged. I want to be. Um, I'm. I'm. I'm interested in the left turns. I'm. I'm, I'm interested in the where, where people go, huh? Or like that wasn't what I was expecting, or that's mm-hmm. not what I thought, or like that's interesting to me because I. I can't keep like after I did anything goes on Broadway. I was like, how do I keep going this direction? It's like impossible because mm-hmm. that was like, how can you? In my mind, I was like, I don't know how to top that. So. I did Violet, which was like a totally left. And then I did Sweet Charity. So it's like, whoa, like what? That's interesting to me. Like I, I feel like I want to keep going in in new directions every, every time. I know that can't always be the case, but that's what I, I would like to do. As has doing younger made you sort of hungry for doing more musical theater in certain ways, or are you happy with the TV track for now because you are surrounded by so many theater people on the show that I'm like I know all the theater people are always like why can't there be a musical episode of Younger I know I know I know (laughs) I feel like I feel like where I am now in my life I 
feel like younger came at a really great time. I was feeling I was I was starting to experience some burnout um, performing live, and uh, younger just sort of was this, this whole new thing, like a whole new a whole new. Even though it's some, you know, you're playing a character, you're on, you're on, you know, you're telling a story. It's like you're acting, but it's like a whole new being on television and being on a set is completely different than doing theater. So it was like this whole new thing that I got to learn. And, um, and that was just a wonderful opportunity, but I, uh, I would absolutely love to, to do a, another show if it feels, if it's the right thing and it feels right. Um, I've got like irons in the fire and, and some, some things that are exciting, but I, I really want it to feel like something that's, that will be challenging and exciting. Well, I was going to say there there must be offers occasionally for you to come back here because you're definitely missed. When and everyone, you're not everyone's here. like you've you've left Broadway for television. I was like, wait, no. I hopefully hopefully Broadway will will always be here. Yeah, like I feel like Sweet Charity was just like a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, that was. I I believe that you will be back soon. Okay, I choose to believe. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you for coming. It's great thank to talk you. to you. Thank you so much. So close your eyes. You can close your eyes. It's all right. Sutton Foster's album Take Me to the World is out now. You can find it wherever you choose to buy your music. As always, if you're a fan of the Billboard on Broadway podcast, please give us lots of likes and nice reviews on iTunes, although now the podcast is on many more new platforms. Uh, Besides iTunes and Acast, which we've always been on, we're on Google Play, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Podbean, Stitcher, and TuneIn. So there is truly no excuse for you not to be listening to Billboard on Broadway. If you would like to tweet about the podcast, use the hashtag Billboard on Broadway. I am at Rebecca Millsoff and on Instagram, you down with RMM. And hope to have you back next week. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.